Take a deep breath and hold a gang of chronic smoke inside my chest. Digest the best and blow them out like that. Definitely for the heads. This episode of the House List podcast. My name is Peter Agostin. I'm the host and producer of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. This show is edited and engineered by my man DJ CJ Stewart. Um, this was also recorded in Los Angeles in Hollywood, and uh, I'm excited and delighted to share this one with you. Uh, before I go any further. Shout out to Satch from the Nance who assisted in setting this up um, very serendipitously. We spoke when I was in Los Angeles somewhat recently, and it just happened that we could do this conversation with the one and only Mean Green. Yes, you heard me right. Mean Green on the show today in a rare long form conversation. Satch is also a part of the conversation, too. The three of us spoke Um but it was uh, really a, a treat and an honor to, to, to sit and chat with Mean Green about his life and career in the game. Um, I found it to be really fun and cool. It was a beautiful day in Hollywood. Uh, we recorded this in the back of their studio and this theater and um, where he does uh, uh, a farmer's market on Thursdays. And they were finishing up putting some find touches on an album, a new album from Mean Green uh, with production and uh, live instrumentation, orchestration from Satch, which I can't wait to hear. I was really anxious to get this out there. So I wanted to do this almost as a a preface to that. So that's why uh, the music that I'm going to play in this episode is, is a little bit from the past, but it gives you that proper context jumping into the present time. If this is your first time listening to the show, or if you're just a regular listener, thank you first for, for spending some time. Spending any time with us is a big treat. As you know, I took about a month off from the show, so to come back, I'm super excited and pumped to share these uh, conversations with you. 
Please subscribe or repost it wherever you can. You can find us on SoundCloud, the Houseless Podcasts, on Twitter at Houseless Pod. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and even on YouTube. So enjoy the audio, share it with friends, and all of that. Um, if you've ever wanted to know more about this dude, this is definitely going to be an incredible opportunity to do so. I, I also would be remiss to say, uh, uh, without going any further, I'm going to say rest in peace to Ganja K, another great, incredible rapper from L.A. Um, who passed way before his time earlier this year, who, if you go back to my actual conversation with Satch, we talk about him and that and his involvement you know, um, in their music and even in the episode with B plus the great photographer and writer, we talk about Ganja K there's some, uh, there's some great moments here in the, the history of the house list that I bring him up. He put out an album actually that never came out commercially. He recorded an album called harvest for the world. It's gotta be one of my favorites. Definitely the best weed quote unquote album out there. Um, and, um, mean green on that first brigade their original group so so the real heads will know first brigade and for many of you like the song i just opened with will will know mean green and associate mean green with western hemisphere the short-lived although impactful trio of rascas voodoo and mean green um so that's why i wanted to share his verse from take a deep breath which was a demo or an unreleased song from the 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 unreleased version and the original version of Rascas' seminal debut, Soul on Ice. So, yeah. Um, mm, what else should I say to start this? I mean, uh, it was a pleasure to talk to him. We were, did it in this big courtyard um, in the back of the studio, like I said, and there was like this hundred foot avocado tree there that had avocados the size of giant grapefruits. And one fell. In fact, you might even catch it in the conversation itself where one, they're like huge. They're like giant coconuts almost. And they're super high up. One fell during the conversation. I looked at, I'm like, dang, is one going to fall on my head when I'm talking? And you can hear there's a brief moment. Mean Green uh, reassures me that one is not going to fall on my head when we're doing this. Although um, I did take the avocado and uh, a week later I ate it. It was amazing. It was one of the best avocados I've ever had in my life. So thanks to Mean Green for letting me do that. Um, We talked a lot about the herb game and how it's changed and where it's going. Um, And uh, we talked a lot about his life and his career. Um, It was an honor. I really appreciate it. Again, shouts to, uh, to Satch. Um, and the Nantz, uh, fans of World Ultimate, you know, the Nantz's uh, seminal uh, and impactful debut album will know that Mean Green is on that as well. He does this uh, pretty cool um, rap sort of uh, passage on a song called The West Is. So go back and check that as well. Um, we talk about all that stuff in the conversation. So without further ado, let's just get right into this. Um, this is definitely for the heads, for the people that that dubbed and traded those uh, those unreleased uh, songs and stuff from the early to mid 90s you know this is this is for y'all so big up and if you like what i'm doing you can you know that if you go to the soundcloud page there is a little donation thing drop a couple bucks and that, that helps me uh, when i go on these trips and self-funded trips to la and, and all over to record conversations for you so do that if you can it's just a paypal thing so yes 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 without further ado 
Mean Green, Fat Sacks, here on The Houseless. Check it out. Uh, I do this to kind of uh, not only talk about the music or the history of, of certain artists that I really respect, like right. yourself, and, and like that's why Sash. I was just trying to give you like some background. You know, what I'm saying? yeah, Before, I want to get into yeah, yeah of course, yes. you know? context is always so you so you'll know the perspective even so. Then when you listen to the story later on, you kind of already got an essence of it. Right. Like okay, this is where he was talking about. Oh, they was going to Humboldt. Oh, okay, bam, this is how this got like this. You know, because it took a lot of time. And you know, I, I was all always knowing about a weed industry. That's, right. that's where people was lost at between the streets and the industry. Right? It's a very fine line, and that's where you know when I when I go to the convention center to the weed convention, I don't see no niggas there. Mm. And and what's fucked up is that niggas don't classify black people nowadays no more. Mm. They classify all poor people of every race. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So again, when you look in there, ain't no niggas in there. It's all people that's about business. And you like, damn. It, just, it hits you like a wave. Like, I'm in here alone. Like, I'm sitting there connecting with the niggas. It's like only five of us in here. Like, we creeping out, still smoking. I'm like, it's 2018, and we still doing this. Like, this is this is creepy. Weed is legal. Right. People, man, that's all people is doing. They running, they running legal legal weed businesses. Uh, you know, and that legal weed spots. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, there's a, there's a big downfall for the for the legalization. I think of of, of weed, especially in in certain states there's a there's a there's a dark side that comes with that when the government and uh not to like go right into that but i think no, it's a big part easy. of california it's easy because that's a, that's a big part that you got to play on of course i have a lot of friends you feel me that's in these jails you feel me in all type of systems that's caught up because the laws were not in our favor right. at certain points of time in the game you know right. what i'm saying so of course I, I got a, a lots and lots of unspoken heroes, you feel me, that'll never get to even take, you know, we got a card for weed. I can go in the right. store and buy right. weed off the shelf. Right. This is some shit we never even dreamed about. Right. So, you know, that, that part, I hear you. It, it definitely is some hella dark sides that'll probably never get told just because of the heights that the, the, the industry is going to go to now right. and how much money is going to save America and, and certain parts of the world from. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it, it creates a lot of different... Uh, legal in Jamaica, legal in Hawaii, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's starting to get places. Now they talking about Canada. Is they talking, it's, it's, We talking about whole continents going legal you feel me not like here they they playing us out again state by state by state it's like doses you know what i'm saying it's like giving a nigga 30 aspirins <laughs> they playing with us because they they know they know uh what makes money out here but again you got to remember america doesn't own america you right. feel me america right. has always been a melting pot they taught us that right. since we was little kids right, right. you know right. what i'm saying so it's it's certain factions of, of corporate business that has to go down in order for certain things to work the way that they do. We we know this now that we older, but like I was saying in the beginning, we was just some dumbass weed heads piecing up on a sack. You feel what I'm saying? Literally hopping in, in our mama's cars illegally doing bullshit. You know, <laughs> that's crazy. Like, I do you remember like the, the, the your very first like experience smoking weed? So Everybody kind of remembers rest, rest, rest in peace to my dad, right? 
this is this now look this was before i even knew what weed was right i'm telling the story in reverse because you know i had to live this in hindsight you know i was a little kid where my stepdad right was hiding in the bathroom you know he he you know back in the day they would have his and hers you know like 70s and early 80s his and her her bathroom his bathroom you know what i'm saying so he would hide in his bathroom and smoke his weed and his cigarettes thinking have her thinking he was taking a shower with the shh going you feel the hot steam you know and then when we you know we was the boys so of course we was using daddy's bathroom and on top of the toilet it would be his ashtray and that's where i first came into contact with roaches you feel what i'm saying like you know you we didn't know what we was doing you was just doing what you seen them do like that's it like you know what i'm saying yeah, I didn't know I was smoking no goddamn weed. I was I didn't I didn't know nothing about going to the weed spot or nothing like that. Right. I, just, I just seen what my pops was. I didn't even know I was again. I, this is me telling the story in hindsight. Sure. Yeah. Shit, it could have been a cigarette, but who knows? Like, but that shit is that's my first contact with weed. <laughs> because it, I mean, it, it, it it's a it's a big part of the narrative of your songs too. Dude, my motherfucking my whole family is Jehovah's Witnesses. So my mom, you know what I'm saying, did not agree with my dad smoking weed. My dad came back from the war and did all. I'm not making no excuses either. I'm just telling it like it is. Sure, please. Because that's how people take it. They'd be like, oh, he's trying to make it seem like because they was, you know, no. That's just how it goes out here. He came back from the war and he was just more open. He wasn't into that church shit, you know what I'm saying? So he was just a little more worldly, as as the church people would say. And my mom didn't agree with that as well as you know he was doing a few other things but she didn't agree with the weed at at all so that (laughs) my real dad like rest in peace you know but my real dad yeah she got that out the household fast but i i was able to see it in pictures i would see my dad's my real dad because the story before after that was my stepdad right right? so when i was this is when i was a little boy now when that when i was my stepdad that was probably when i was about Maybe seven, eight. Okay, you know so what I like mean. Sneak, yeah, right. Sneaking in the bathroom right. and uh, playing with a lighter and, a, and some butts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, me seeing the pictures, this this was just me as a little boy. I definitely didn't know what I was looking at. Again, I right. had to get older right. and 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 realize to get red eyes for myself. Like, oh right. shit, the pops was loaded. Like he was at, at the breakfast table grubbing, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like. And moms did not agree. Like, you know what I mean? You'd be like, like, why, like, why didn't you, like, you know, why did y'all break up? Like, you know, as a little kid, you asking stupid adolescent questions. You know what I'm saying? When you get older, you experience life through different sets. You know what I'm saying? Right. So yeah. you, uh, you were born and raised in Los Angeles. Yeah. Born and raised. Born and raised. Carson, actually. Okay, right. Which even lends itself to, I mean, I guess now, not to, I think we can jump into the music but I know I want to backtrack a little bit because the first group for you it was not Western Hemisphere right it was the first brigade yes which for people now I associate that with Ganja K right rest in peace to that man as well yes big time huge loss um, and a shocking loss at that too man that dude you know what I'm saying to you Pee Wee Jam was what they used to call him (laughs) back in the day you know the West Coast Posse, I think, was the name of his group. Him, wow. him in Bombay, and and as much as motherfuckers don't want to hear it, I got to tell the story because him and, and uh, John, rest in peace to both of them. They both passed on now, you know. 
him and him and John, and uh, they they had a group called the Chronic. You know what I'm saying? And at that point in time, when they group was named the Chronic, we were serving. We was going to Rainbow Studio while the Chronic was being recorded via okay. via RBX. You know what I'm saying? Yep, Eric, okay. you know that was one of the dudes that we had met in the streets and became familiar with through Mike and Nine. Him and Mike and Nine were both in Vegas, and it was like maybe 1990, I believe, or so. You know, he was. Uh, Islamic rapper at the time, a five percent rapper or right. something like that at the time, you know. Or it wasn't RBX; it was Reality Born. That's Rea- what, yeah, that's Rea- what was his Rea- first Rea- name. Reality yeah. Born. That's what it was. Reality Born. And uh, <clears throat> I remember, you know, we uh, we used to Keyshawn. It's it's a crazy story. You wouldn't even believe the gumbo pot, right? Yeah, yeah. The rapper Super Nat. Yes, of right. Course. Super Nat. Super Nat. This was like I said, you would know what I'm saying to be real. All you gotta do is look up the times. We talking about ninety, ninety one. Super Nat won the, the motherfucking rap battle in New York. Yeah. Yep. Directly after him winning, he moved to LA. Oh interesting. Get in okay. touch with him. Get in touch with him and ask him, who did you live with? He lived with Ganja K. You feel what I'm saying? I wow. got kicked out of my house, you know what I'm saying, on some crazy shit, whatever. We the weed was catching up with me and that Jehovah Witness household. It was catching up and you know, it just wasn't it wasn't good for me. So, right. so a chain of events basically led me to sleeping on Ganja K's couch. Right, right. Right? And and that chain of events, you know, at the same time, uh, uh, Super Nat was also living at the house. Wow. We was all together. Them freestyle sessions was never recorded. They was never taped. Like, you, you he didn't been a part of a gang of them motherfuckers <laughs> last sitting over there, you know. But but uh, it's crazy, right? The murder was the case. You feel me? was is what what was happening right and uh you know they used to come over to the house and they used to pick up weed from ganja you know what i'm saying interesting okay so again i'm trying to tie it in because i yep. started this off by saying that ganja k and bombay had a rap group named the chronic yeah you hear what i'm saying yeah so now i'm tying you in to them actually selling weed to them at the time we was in the studio I remember one of the sessions we was inside Rainbow and everybody was rapping. It was Crips, Bloods, Mexicans, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, what do they call them, style rappers, you know. It, it wasn't gang- only gangster rappers, you know, right. inside there. And Dre would be back there and he'll be making them beats, you know. And on me, I remember Mike and I rapped and them motherfuckers was like, they was like, they really rap like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you, they couldn't believe that shit. Like, it was hilarious, but it was like just to be in it like the the members was getting chosen it was no dog pound they had dog pound members right but dre was like hand picking them like okay i'm gonna use badass on this song okay i'm gonna use nate dog to put the hook okay i'm you feel what i'm saying it was happening like that so and them songs was getting made because the first song we we was at i know i'm jumping around no this is good though it's getting it's going there the first song we was at um that i did that was that was uh uh Cause it went, cause it went forward, cause you know what I'm saying. From mm-hmm. from murder was the case. Mm-hmm. It was um that it went, it was back. It was um cause we. That's, I'm trying to show you how long we've been knowing them. It was um uh, what was the first one? The, no, 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 no. Snoop and them song. Uh, uh, him and Doc. The first one. Oh. Uh, I can't remember. Deep cover. Deep cover. That was it. Yeah. So okay, when that song came out, this is when we met Snoop Dogg. Right, the song had just dropped. Right, he still had a flat top. Yeah. Right, he still looked like a regular dude. He wasn't no gang member. Right, and we was at it was again these times was crazy as hell. How a nigga be relating these shits, you know? 
Shaba ranks. This was the most famous night at the Palladium. You hear what I'm saying to you? It was when KRS-One and Mick Boo beat the sound man up. And wow. Shaba ranks had came out with Trailer Load of Girls. You know what I'm saying? That shit was popping on the streets, you know? Yeah. And we had all snuck in the Palladium that night. RBX came in a limousine, and he had the Snoop Dogg nigga was with him. And it was me, Micah Nine, Ace, and that. And, you know, we always were sneaking in the clubs ever since Hollywood Live, all that shit, you mm. know? Motherfucking United Nations and you know all that other shit, Florentine Gardens. You know, <laughs> you you remember the good shit. You know the Ukrainian nigga. You're going yeah. to those clubs too. All this shit. I've been to all the of them. Every single one. Because <laughs> it's all all this shit is a culture. Every time, especially in Los Angeles. The graffiti, the break dancing. You feel me? Just the the b boying. You know, everything was really the life that that we was just living. Of course, we adapted the culture from what we were seeing in New York. The bits and pieces that we was getting. But you know, what I'm saying it was mixed and magnified times. Right. What we was doing out here. We was on weed. We was on slow and all type of other shit, you know what I'm saying? They wasn't, they didn't, they, you, you can't have that shit in the snow out there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they wasn't on that. But, but you know, the the weed, I saw it early in my career, you know, as, as um, as, it, it, it got me places. It got, it got me out the neighborhood. It got me into different situations, you know what I'm saying? That, 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 uh, the music could only get me so far. But, yeah. but, because everybody, all artists don't smoke. That's very true. Right? right? And so, you know, but the artist that you did smoke, that was the special bond that you had. You'd be like, oh, my nigga Buckshot Shorty, you know what I'm saying, from Black Moon. Right. And when they come in town, the girls on Wilcox would call me. You mm -hmm. feel me? They right. would call me. Through. And I would serve them. Right? right? J. Rue the Damager. Right. Motherfucking uh, PMD. And, you know, all these, like, the, uh, 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 what's that? Uh, I listened to the whole Balloon Mind State album, my nigga. Uh, De La Soul. The motherfuckers bought, nigga, like, a zip of weed off a nigga and smoke that shit in eight blunts, my nigga. Oh, my, my, I swear to God, I'm, I swear to God, I'm not putting one word on it. And we was in the hotel room, and and them motherfuckers played they whole uh, balloon mind state album dope, for a nigga. Dope. They was like, "What you think about this shit, Mean Green?" And we was that we was doing the Unity with Jay Rude the Damager that night. You feel what I'm saying? You feel me? Like nigga was a part of Hempstery, my nigga. Like it's always so it was, how, how many times did you perform that that was a pretty historic uh, five we did, we did five unities that's incredible man. that might be it's rest gotta in, be a record rest uh, in peace to Bigger B yes. definitely as a as a group I would say the Western Hemisphere you know that was that was at the time when I was in the Hemisphere right now I, I would definitely say the Western Hemisphere got whored out the most because we didn't get paid and, that's the, and I'm not griping right. I just I saw everything taken off we was all right there exhibit was taken off the alcoholics was taken off you know what i'm saying to you like wu-tang was taken off mob deep was taken off everything was like right there in our laps you know what i'm saying because bigger b was an a and r for loud right, as well right yeah that's right a lot that's a lot right. of people didn't know you know what i'm saying so that's how when he started throwing the parties you know he was able to book the acts from the label so right. it made the parties big right, right but then what made it even bigger is that he had enough faith in us you feel me his la underground family right. to to open up and perform so we was opening up i opened up for krs one i opened up for j the damager i opened up for epmd I opened up for black moon like that was that was some of the heights of my career like well, you know it was also at the peak of a lot of their careers i too, never got to go overseas these guys you know what i'm saying yeah, like i yeah. never left the united states i never got wow. to only 2,000 copies of the smoking section ever got pressed up. I know. The, that's a rare, I mean, that and government issue, both rare right, records, right, you know. Right, 
Um, James Sumby on that government issue. Definitely. Huh. That's that's my man. Yeah. I know. I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's why I think your story is pretty fascinating, too. I mean, there's a, there's a, uh, there is a, it's a big part of L.A. history, and I think it, there's a big lure and mystery with, like, serious hardcore collectors and fans of the music of, because Western Hemisphere was such a big part of the, the that real underground, and that's not, including New York and, and that underground. Right. Early mid '90s boom, man. Raz, Raz killed Nas. It was the first three, I think. I want to say because it was the wake up show, and it yes. was and it was the wake up shows uh, uh, song. They yeah, the anthem, the anthem, right? Yeah, yeah. With and all the yeah, yeah. Uh, there's it a was, gang. It was, it was, it was Lauren Hill, right. uh, Proswell, or 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 Wyclef, whoever it was, and then Nas, and then Raz came and cleaned. He cleaned niggas' clocks. I get, uh-huh. I, I give it to him. I I, I I ain't got no gripes with the man as a rapper. You know what I'm saying? I give it to him. Like at that at that point in time, that nigga was Goku. <laughs> on some real shit. Right. And 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 he showed motherfuckers on the radio and it gave right. us a aura. It gave us a aura. Right. It was unmatched. Because people would, you know, would dub that and trade it. That's why I think you guys were it spread through the underground because there weren't a lot of actual physical commercial releases. Man, I'm going to tell you, you who know. benefited from that was Mike Myers, you know what I'm saying? Mike Myers mm. was also in the hemisphere, but you know at that time he was too young to, to actually be involved in what was happening. But oh, yeah, I never knew that. I was associated with the when core the, when, three, the, when, the, when the hemisphere broke up, you feel me Mike Myers, who's a very very good rapper, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Talented. Yeah. Mike Mike Myers, he kept going. He where where people would ask for the hemisphere, he would just stand in that way, right. and he benefited. And right. again, no gripe. It's right. just knowing the history of what happened, you know. So, you know, on that level from the Western Hemisphere, that was music. On me, like I say, I never stopped doing what I knew. So even when I was rapping, I was smoking weed. So when I was smoking weed, I was rapping. So basically, weed was into my rapping. Right, right. right? And I was rapping about weed. <laughs> <laughs> so where does it really start as far as the actual music goes for you? I mean, you know. Ganja K's Kitchen Table. Right. Nice. I, was, okay. I used to write poetry. I, I was scared. And I used to write these little poems. And I and I would be riding in the back of my nigga's car. And I will be like, listen to this shit. You know what I'm saying? I will be too scared to say this to anybody else yet. Right. Like everybody else was right. Everybody else had their groups. And they was already Signed to a major label, or these niggas was like they was literally touring, like you know what I'm saying. So it was it was different. It's like you know what I'm saying when you're looking at your friends are already achieving. Like this person signed the Capitol, this person signed the Island, this person signed the Jimmy Iovine, this person, you know what I'm saying. And you're like, damn, like what can I do? Like you know what I'm saying? How do how do I get in the mix of this shit? Right. So my my thing was is that while all this shit was happening, everybody would call me to the studio for weed. Right, because I kept the weed on there, right, right. so I was serving people in the industry. So that's what kept me. That's before the music. So then, when I would start saying the poems to these dudes, you know, what I'm saying they'd be like, "Oh man, you know, what I'm saying they, they finally convinced the nigga to come to the studio with my boy Gumby, and and we recorded. It was like five or six songs. The Urban Lesson Session Show was one of them. So what year is what years are we talking? Then? Damn, this was like ninety two, ninety three. Yeah, probably like ninety two. Because the West is. Is, he was on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that's '93. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Yeah. Let's see '92. See, you recording, and then things are yeah, getting so. mixed and mastered and coming out. It's a process. Right. So you know right. what I'm saying. So then that's why you. That's what fucks up a lot of artists. Because by the time y'all get it and perceive it, it's already old to the artist. Sure. The artist yeah, already yeah. got two new singles. He's on tour. Like, but listen to my new shit. And they like, we don't want to hear that. <laughs> no. You know what I'm saying? It's like, happened a million times. Right. Yeah. 
so, I, so the I, West is though. I want to know I, the story I, with I that. I would have. Um, I go pick up Green and I have the '62 Falcon. That's what I said sitting in the back of the. Knees. And we just be like, uh, I, don't, I don't know wherever we'd be going. You know, probably going to the studio, but in between whatever. Or Capital Records. Yeah, Capital Records. So it's different places. He's sitting in the back and he like got his notebook. You know, and he like listen to this. I got this line. I got this line. You know, right. like, but it's like one like paragraph at a I'm time. Mimic, you know, make my style of writing off Ganja K. Okay. I used to sit there. I still to this day. I write. I, I, it sounds funny. I formulate my words like him on the paper. Like it's like a graffiti so, style. Right. You know what That's I'm how he wrote. I, to, man, I, I took a liking. We listened to a lot of music at that table. At that right. table, we listened to eons and eons and eons of music from oldies to right. whatever it was. You know what okay. I'm saying? Rap. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it was at the time. You know, we sat around, we studied, dissected. You know what I'm saying? And these dudes was rappers. I'm 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 looking at them. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you know, again, when he's saying we riding around in the back of the car, I'm I'm saying because Ganja would he would in, in spurts. It would be like that. It would be like a paragraph, and then he'll switch to the next paragraph, but it'd be a different style. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? His so, delivery was incredible. It, it, know, it, was it, these are, these yeah. are the dudes that I used to sit across the table from. I, as, right. as, as, so, as well as I used to sit across the table from them. So right. I heard Mean Green's delivery. Like, I wanted, I, it was there. Like, he, he didn't. Yeah, do I mean, his, he's a very distinct delivery as yeah. well, you know. But to get on the, the uh, come on with it, was he, he wasn't like, he was like, oh, I'm, I'm not ready yet. I'm still in the back seat, right? So then for the West is. Well, he used to say these lines like that. Like he'll have, he'll have like pieces like that, and, yeah. and, and it would crack me up because it would be like I'd be like, "That's that more is, like a statement." That, that is just like the epitome of boasting, or not. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Of doing a, a rhyme, or not even a rhyme, but like a um, toasting or something like yeah, that. Exactly. You know, it, it was like that. It was like it's like if you just wanted to stay that in the middle of the party, you could just you know, and everybody would be like, "What? Go ahead, more, right. more, more, right. you know what I'm saying?" So. Yeah. Um, I was like, you got to do that for me, because so. it wasn't what everybody else was doing. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? It, it wasn't what you know. It wasn't like bust a rhyme or something like that. It was like just do, just yeah. just do what you was doing in the back seat, you know, because that shit was clowning, and, uh-huh. and he did it. You know what I'm saying? And that was the the first the, the first recording, and and actually I did a new recording recently, or you know, kind of recently with Fidelity. Uh huh. Right. Yeah, your project. Yep. I could have had him bust. Of bars, right, right. But I, did it again. I, I just oh, I asked him, please do it. Yeah. <laughs> please do the, that style one more time, because nobody, nobody does that style. It's not it's like something that just is ordinary, you know, or just yeah. to capture the, 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 the intent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like it's, the yeah, how, it's how, more, how, it's how. more spoken word. Yeah, and it's even it's, but it's still like a, in the classic sense of a rap. It's still like a rap because you're talking because you're because you're talking about what we doing. You know right. what I'm saying? Like yeah. you say, it's just it like got, it's, it got a certain twang on it. It's got it's a certain you right. know Roasted. flair on it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That that's not normal. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Like it could have been done a whole bunch of ways, but that way it sound like. You understand Dolomite. You understand, right? You right, know, like because right. that's, that's what it was. That's what exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. But not even trying to do that or nothing. But right. you we know, were just having you, fun. You know right. that underneath that. That's what I get from it. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is this is this is like uh, this is like some player type, but it's not player type. But you know, like some no, but it was some, kind some of harkens back shit, to the 70s. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's like who 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 talks like that? You know what I'm saying? Like who who does that? You know, which which 
is like a thing that I would like to have. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, uh, who does that? Green does that. You know. Like, yeah. Uh, so then it, it kind of grew. You know, I kind of. I got in. I got in the studio. You know, at first I would just kind of. I wouldn't use a word like sneak, but I'll say it for recording purposes. Right. You know, okay. I would just kind of sneak in the studio. You know, because I wasn't alerting people to what I was doing. I didn't have a record deal, or I wasn't making an album or anything like that. Right. I was kind of trying to find my voice. And you know, like I say, the first time I went in the studio, it was with my boy Gumby, and he was signed to Wild West along with uh, Lance and Seth. And uh, you know, uh, Gumby. For some strange reason, he just liked you know what we was doing, and at the end at the end of a smoking section, a smoking session, you know, what I'm saying literally we was smoking six or seven, eight joints, and uh, you know when the smoke cleared, shit, we had like four to five, six songs done, Dope. yeah, and the songs, you know, you know, you record in the industry, your songs are turned into your label. So when he turned those songs into the label and it got back to the heads of the label, the heads of the label heard my voice and they liked my actual voice. Right, right. Right? Right. You know, I didn't understand as an artist at the time. Like, he wanted to work with me. He wanted to get writers and all type of other shit. I, I was too raw. I was too, you know, I saw my friends shooting their own shots. I didn't want to, you know, come in there and let somebody write my lyrics. So I was oh, like, hell, hell, right. So I was like, hell no. Nah. So, you know, but he, he wanted to shelf my boy Gumby and he wanted to put, you know, do a project on me. And it, it just like the, the actions of the business at that time, you know, because I was loyal to my friends that brought me around. Right, right. So the actions of the business at, at, that, at that time, again, I wouldn't use such a word, but just for recording purposes, I would say I was scared. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I was scared. I didn't, I didn't understand the business that was being put forth. So when the man right. offered me a record deal over my boy, right, oh, yeah. he's like, you know, this sounds good, but. You know what I'm saying? We like you. Yeah, and right. I was like, no. So I never moved forward with the Morris Tab. And then that's when he tried to form a group out of me, JP, and Mozzie. You feel what I'm saying? Oh, interesting. See, I didn't, I didn't want to sign the solo deal. So then he was like, fuck it. He, he was like, let's make a group out of it. You feel what I'm saying? Right. Um, the whole reason, you feel what I'm saying? I'm not saying that um, Perv ain't fresh. You know what I'm saying? Nothing like that. But the whole reason why... Perb came out with a solo album is because the group didn't work when he came with the paperwork for the actual deal for the group it was $3,500 that we was going to split between three people oh, wow. and then we had to pay the lawyer for looking over the contract right. which the lawyer was charging like $200 an hour or some bullshit you know what I mean? So then I'm adding it up in my head. At this time, I'm serving sacks, so I'm making bread. So you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm adding it up in my head like this don't. These niggas is going to college and all type of other bullshit. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, this ain't adding up. So I didn't sign the contract, right? Mozzie stole two drum stole two drum machines, you know what I'm saying, to you from out the studio at motherfucking um, where Vinny was at tracks. At tracks. And nigga, and they and they found out, and they, you know, what I'm saying, they kicked Mozzie out the group. So the last motherfucker that was left was superb. <laughs> and there was the solo album. Interesting. I still hopped on Jay Jay Strolling in nine thousand eight. Well, yeah, I didn't hop on nine thousand eight. I hopped on. Um, I can't remember what his name. I remember Jay Strolling. I, I mean, I, I yeah. own the record. It's yeah. called Street Biographies, or what's the what's the yeah. title? Something like that. The shit was dope. Like yeah, you know, Domino's Cards and Chess. That was yeah. the joint, man. I love yeah. that joint. Um, great, which I think you produced. Did yeah. you not? <laughs> it all leads back. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It's crazy. Well, the Nas production it's crazy. is crazy. Yeah. There's something about you guys and over your uh, over Nas production. I was, I was smoking that weed, 
and I was sitting in there. It was so many times where I would come over there and I would have to go outside and smoke weed and then I would have to take my mindset from outside and bring it back inside the house. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I don't think you understand that we didn't smoke weed yet. What, back then? Uh, yeah. Oh, like, that y'all didn't? That yeah, the nonsense? We, we didn't, yeah. It was for, but your music so, was so, so they were, stoned so they, out. So they, so they would be like, go outside in the backyard and smoke. Oh, you, got, yeah, you, you, can't smoke you can't smoke in. Yeah. They was in the apartment. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It was not, we, we was not legal. Right, right. right. There, was no, there was no Prop 215. Right. And, <laughs> but how I started smoking was... Uh, I'm not gonna say because of green, but right. I was just gonna say it. It, it, it made all it, leads back. it, it, yeah, right, it, right, it right. made it, it apparent. Yeah, right. apparent. Like that. The, this Ganja, was like a, a, a was good, the head of the, you know. Yeah, he could. It sounded like he could. I never met the guy. I wish of I the, did. Of, the, of anything that had to do with weed, Ganja for us at least. Ganja was the weed god for right. us. Right. We'll see. We would session like every other day for I don't know how long we did that, but we was right. just me, me and Green, right. Mark the Murderer. Right. We would just oh, session yes. a lot, you know. And sometimes um, me and Green would come by by himself, and then Mark would come later. Yeah. So Green gets there, he gets there early. So our studio is upstairs. And see, they was working on their project, right? You know what I'm saying? They they doing their thing. So I'm seeing it. I'm seeing a, a actual album get recorded on the floor in the bedroom and it's now it's on vinyl with the words to match to it. You know what I'm saying? Like and so I'm 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 sitting there smoking weed like I'm saying. So one day, you know, I finally got all my shit together and I I pinned what I thought was the dopest shit. Right? <laughs> and it was a song. They gave me my first beat. They you know they had confidence in me early. That Dope. that that's what really helped me to come out of my shell as an MC because they had enough confidence to give me real beats. You know, this is right, a this right. is a, this is a real issue still to this day with producers. Producers hide their best beats for these paid artists, and they never see these paid artists. So right, you're right. not going to play the same beats that you're going to play for Snoop Dogg. That's right. the problem. Yeah. You feel me with the artists and the producers, right? That's a very good so point. They, they'll say to you, they'll be like, oh, I made this beat for you. Motherfucker, give me the same goddamn beat that Jay-Z got and shut the fuck up. You feel me? Like, But it is what it is. You so, know. but this, uh, what song is this you're even the talking about? The song is called Coming Live. Right, mm. it's called Coming Live. Oh, and it, that's it was, never really seen the light. It was my first. It was it was my first. I don't first doubt single. It. it was my first single. I recorded a few songs before it. I think Cement Boxing Gloves and wow. a few. That was the first song I ever recorded. It was Cement all produced Boxing by Gloves. the Knots. Yeah, no yeah. Place. No. Do you remember the lyrics to that at all? I got I got the twelve inch at the house. Oh, it, a record came out. Yeah, Zombie. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but wait, the, that didn't come out like on a commercial level at nah, all. Nah, just a you yeah, know, just a little weight escape. Right, that's it. I, 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 it's, it's a just, dope title. It's oh, and, and at the time we were recording that, the like that this whole time because we had like more than those songs. We had like it was like it was like maybe like four or five, maybe five right. songs. Incredible. Right. And um, I was saying. He came over. I could tell he was in a bad mood. I think I don't know. Something was bothering him. Something I don't know. But he was like, I'm going to sit right here. I'm going to chill for a minute, right? So he sat there. And then he just, like, laid out on the on the, on the the bed right there in the studio. And he had a, a fatty. And he just had set it on his chest, right? But he was, like, he he, he was still upset, kind of, or just. Right, right. And then he was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go I'm going go downstairs and go outside, right? I was like, all right, cool. When he came back, I was like, 
it was like a different person. You know what I'm saying? It was like a like a better just you know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was in in a different mood altogether. And one day I was feeling like I think how he was feeling. And I was like, I need some fun. I need some <laughs> Change the mood. It has a way of doing that, you know? <laughs> yeah, so ganja always, you know, would, would rap about weed. Like, so that's where my fascination started. My my fascination was always with the music, but right. just the love, the love for weed. And then, you know, we would go through certain rappers and we would find the weed heads in the rap groups, you know. Right, right. Too Short would rap about smoking weed and Snoop and, you know, the different artists that you can go into. Gangstar yep. was more on the alcohol side, but he would, you know what I'm saying? Take two and pass. Take great, two and pass. You feel what I'm saying? You feel me? You feel me? That's what I'm saying, baby. So, you know, that's, that's what made it great for us because the weed culture was starting to rise. It, it was. was. Yeah, it was still it was, early. It was more though. underground. It was yeah. more urban, you know. Yeah. Urban, as they would say. Right, right. Um, I mean, probably in my opinion, the greatest you know weed album has got to be Harvest for the World. No you question, know, incredible I, record that never saw the light of day. Until, I was just know. about to say, and that it's just an underground I, classic. I, I, I don't forgot how to pronounce the man's name, but Matt Sudo or whatever his uh, name was. Yeah, I don't know that. That's the dude that used to own, that owned uh, Palace, Palace Records, Records right. right? And that's who you know. what I'm saying basically, he didn't put out Ganja. He didn't put out Phoenix Orion. He didn't right. put out. Uh, Super Nat, he didn't put out because see, Super Nat was also signed to Palace. Mm. You know, he didn't. Oh, he E-Rule. Yeah, he didn't put out E-Rule. I, that was next. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right, right. Definitely. So it was like people don't. It's a lot, like you say. It's a lot of backdoor history that I was involved in. That I was basically, I wouldn't say I was a main factor, but I was in the pot of gumbo. Right, right, right. right. So, and and I just I kept the weed there. A lot of these dudes, they recognize from their rap style. Right. right, I was recognized for the weed, but you have a very distinct rap style too. Like, it, I mean, I, I, I would say coming behind Razkaz and Voodoo, it wasn't that unique. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I kept it, I kept it simple, and I kept it to the point. You know, what I'm saying to where people could still hear my voice, and that's what was a little bit more unique than the two that I had at the time. Yeah, I mean, and the the flow and the actual tone of the voice is like a. It's a dope contrast because both of those guys were like super heady and they were they were trying. But if you even they go, both went to high school together, junior high school, I'm sure, and you know they grew up around each other. I oh, met those dudes, right? I met those dudes in the studio when I met. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, everything it comes back around. So again, you know what I'm saying? When I met Lance and, and Youssef, you know they were signed to Wild West. My my friend Gumby, who I was just speaking of, he was also signed to Wild West Records. You know, and then you know Bird as a producer right, was signed right. to Wild West Records. So oh, when I met Bird, it was in the studio. And when I met Bird in the studio, Danny Holloway was their manager, and Voodoo was Bird's artist, you feel me, on Wild West Records. Oh, interesting. You feel okay. me? So yeah. when I met Voodoo and Bird, we clicked immediately. Neither one of them smoked weed mm-hmm. at the time. Right. I was the only motherfucker that smoked weed, me and right. Danny Holloway. Danny Holloway was the vice president of Island Records for right. like 20 years up under Chris Blackwell, right? But he started a label called True Sound. Right. Yeah. Yep. See, that was my first introduction to the world in '92. Yeah. That he put out the True Sound sampler, and I was on right. a song called Bird's Eye View. Oh, interesting. All right. Right. That was a was Bird's record. Right. right? Yeah. Right. So at that at that point in time, I met Voodoo and Bird in the studio. We clicked and we formed what was called the West Coast Avengers. Oh, interesting. You know yeah, saying? I don't know. I don't know anything about See, that. See, we was the West Coast Avengers, and we was as already a, as working as a we duo was, or as a unit. Producer. We was we, basically 
Bird, you know what I'm saying, was a producer, but he was a producer that did a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Right. He would always add a little spice, hey, you know, put a funny hook in there or add some type of crazy samples. Like, right. he was a little bit more than just a producer, you yeah. know? That's why I would always say that Bird was a part of the group. Right, right. You know what I mean? Super dope. Under, very underrated. Right. He did oh, well, shit. super underrated, man. We made dumb off the head albums that never got heard. Like good, really? God, I, good God, I don't even care to go into. All like I say, we was almost there. I would say the Western Hemisphere was one of the groups that was almost there, the most I've ever seen. Right, right. Like when Raz split up from us, you know what I'm saying? He got in the group with Exhibit and Sapphire. You right. know what I'm saying? It's Called the Golden State Warriors, right? right? The Golden State Warriors immediately got on that, and they stopped that name. They, right. came, oh, they right. tried, to, they tried right. to come out as the Four Horsemen and That's some right. some old other shit. You know what I'm saying, right? But uh, uh, Sapphire, he went on to become Uncle Harold in Minister Society. It's cousin Harold, excuse right. me, cousin right. Harold right. in Minister Society. And Exhibit went on to become who he is today. Right, right, right. You feel me? Yeah. And Raz Kaz is right where he's at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? So the legacy lives forth is you're the dopest underground MC that ever was supposed to be, right? But like I say, the Western Hemisphere was the group that almost cashed in and never cashed in. Right. Still to this day, people is waiting on the album from this group, and we haven't even talked as a whole as all four members, I would probably say, in about 15 to 20 years. Wow, wow. So, but what was the actual lifespan of that group? It's just a few years. It right? was really only a few years. The, the lifespan was more hype because it, it led in to Raz's first album, Soul right. on Ice, you know. We was in the studio recording two years on Soul on Ice, you know. And so in between that two years, we was on the streets already performing. We already had projects, you know. We had shit going, you know, right. popping already. Right. Bird already had a production deal. Voodoo now at this time start producing and Voodoo when Voodoo started producing he produced the the biggest songs that Raz has the the songs the evil that men do you yeah, know man. that that like the songs that, that the nature of the threat like yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying like the songs that people remember him for his Absolutely. lyrics yes right? yeah. Voodoo produced these beats amazing that I didn't know that I don't think I knew that so, you, I mean in that demo version of that album that started floating around that was Man, I'm going to tell you, again, I let the cat out the bag, right? We was recording for two years, right? Kitchen Sink, right? Mad Hatter, right? Your mama's house. I'm naming studios, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Because the people that was there, they'll know. Yeah, the engineers and At that and time, stuff. Right. right? 40 to the head, Fred. Okay, yep. You no, feel no, me? No. Track Studios, Vinny. You feel me? The Dog Pounder, remember that? Okay. Bone Thugs. See, these are people that came after us, but they was fucking with the same gumbo pots. Right. So when we would go to the studio and we would fuck with these engineers and they would, what we was doing would rub off on them. You feel me? We smoking them out. <laughs> and now they giving up our game to these motherfuckers because we had a song called, in that six songs, it's crazy as fuck that I was telling you that we made on Gumby's album, just fucking around that one day, right. a few hours. We made a song called uh, The Herbalescent Session Show. Bird produced the beat. And that's, that song ended up getting bit on the Chronic album and became the $20 Sack Pyramid. What? Wow. You know, I'll play both the songs for you. And the, the times match up and everything is crazy. It's crazy as fuck how, how things was because Peace, you know what I'm saying? Peace the, the, from, the, from the, the fellowship, fellowship, right? 
at that point in time, Peace was not only from the fellowship, he was also a member of the dog pound. What? See, wow. uh, it, it's, it's real simple to do the math on this. Corrupt used to come to the good life. You know, it's, 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 it's so many ways that you could see how prevalent this is. But again, this is what's not going to leak out to the music world. This is not what's getting put on wax. Right. We, didn't, we didn't have YouTube and Instagram and Snapchat and all these things no, at this time. So you, you wouldn't know socially what was going on. The fact that New York rappers was coming out here to the West Coast. And you know what I'm saying to you, they was literally able to hear because the West Coast rappers would be like, battle. They'd be like, fuck, that's that bullshit, battle. And you know what I'm saying? So then they'll meet some real MCs from out here right. and they'll hear their styles and then they'll be able to go back to New York and put that shit on wax. <laughs> right, right, right. So a lot of people don't know, you know, it, a lot of these things that I'm saying, it may sound funny and it may sound like a mystery, but Mike and I moved to New York. You feel me? And Mike and I's roommates was Lauren Hill and motherfucking Most Def. Yeah, interesting. Because, I, I mean, there was all that daddy-o connection to, to exactly. fellowship was always exactly. a unique kind of... Exactly. There you go. Kedar Massenberg, you know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, that's right. Yes. That's right. That because was, of Fourth and Broadway, I think. He was their manager. He right, was their right. manager on Island. Oh, that's right. Island. Uh-huh. Right, they right. was up under Violet Brown. Oh, right. See, I, I, I remember all this shit like it was yesterday. But like I say... All my homies were signed, right? right? Dilated Peoples, the right. Black Eyed Peas, yeah. uh, Jurassic Five, right. the Knots, the, uh, uh, what, what was Bajetta in and, and, uh, and T Love, Urban Prop, yes, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, Sin, Medusa, and yes. Coco. These are all acts that were signed, yeah. Volume 10. People were getting signed left and right at that to time. To major labels, bro. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? These dudes yeah. was traveling the world 90, 91. Like, yeah. It was good. They probably got some nice fat checks during that period of time, too. And well, again, that wasn't me. That's what, That was hence me having to hustle, hence me having to still have a weed sack so I could hustle. At the end of the day, when these dudes was getting checks, you feel me, and not to prey on my homies, but when they was getting checks, they had to buy weed, so I was just one of the outlets. Right, right, right. Quentin was the outlet. The far Quentin, side yes. The far side mentioned him. Quentin's on his way. Quentin's on his way, and it led to him getting a deal with Jay Swift on Fat House Records. Right, right. And they, they didn't just get a deal. They got a label deal. Fat House Records. Yes. Through Ooh, avocado, baby. <laughs> that's so, wild. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> so, yeah, fucking, you know, the the weed has always been prevalent right. in the music since Ganja K's kitchen table, right? It's where we used to sell our sacks from. Right, right. Right? Again, I don't mean to tell on nothing, but this is all past history. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we was kids, we used to sell weed out of Ganja K's mama's house when she would go to work, you know, from 9 o'clock until 5 o'clock when she would get off, <laughs> right. right? So, you know, we would sit there at the kitchen table selling weed, rolling joints, and him writing and rapping all day. Dope. So, you know, and it, it, all these people will come through. Sometimes, you know, it'll be them coming through to buy a bag, or sometimes uh, it'll be AC, or sometimes it'll be Juke. Sometimes, right. you know, all the homies would just kind of, it's just crazy how the shit would go. Right. And everybody had deals, and everybody was just kind of keeping the love, you know, in between the family at that time. So it was just a real cool yeah. time to be around. He, he was such a great storyteller, too, in his right, raps. Like right. Bud Berry's a great story just rap. Just listen you know? to that. That's was crazy. it? Oh, yeah. Amazing. yeah. And I was there when he wrote them fucking lyrics. I said, that's my boy, man. That, yeah. 
it, it, it killed me, like I say, as I'm sitting here showing you my garden, yeah. you know, that was where we didn't evolve into. Right, right. You feel me? Right. So this is my final evolution as far as not just the weed music, but the activism, you know, the, the actual uh, learning what the medicine is and actually helping people from the medicine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that industry is evolved. I mean, the, the, the plant culture has evolved into more of a, you know, a truly medicinal type of thing. Too. Well, e even years after the music, right? Because yeah. I always wanted people to hear my music, you know, but I was, all, I was, I fell victim to being an unsigned rapper. I was only signed for one album and that was the smoking section. Right. So the, the rest of the 18 albums that I put out, well, I put out 17 after the first. So really? The total, yeah. Incredible. Okay. The, the total, you know what I'm saying, was 18. So, you know, as, That's why as I a, need to catch up I on can, some I, of those. I, you, they, I you, you know, yeah, you shit. can't find all of those. Of course, know? because a lot, a lot of them, like I'm saying, as I'm trying to get out, right. a lot of them was two tracks. A yeah, lot of right. them, you know, what I'm saying, was mixtape shit. A lot of them was just me rapping over beats. It wasn't right, mixed, right. mastered. Right, it wasn't right. quality. So if it, when when you know one day, because I thought I was the freshest shit since tied shoes, you know, mm -hmm. and and literally because these dudes pumped me up you know what I'm saying <laughs> and having right. having, I gotta come behind them I'm swinging the bat behind them so <laughs> right. it's like literally, literally I'm bragging to my folk anytime somebody be say they rap I'll be like oh shut up you know what I'm saying you don't know nothing about rapping you know what I'm saying yeah. like, my homies you know, <laughs> you know so it's like I had that that Superman on my chest you know from right. that so it just made me feel like I, I was that much better than everybody else. I felt my homies was gods rapping. Like, right, so right. I just felt like couldn't nobody else rap fresher than that. So you know what I'm saying? So that's just how I kept myself on that level. My attitude, the, you know, my cadence and, and all that, how I used to come at it at that time, you know. Because Ganja, I, I, watched, I watched when they made up the name The Chronic, right? They went to the dictionary because we was weed rappers. And, and, it, and it was other weed rappers, right? Right. It was other weed rappers. Or Cypress Hill, it just surfaced onto the scene. And it was, you know, various weed rappers that was specifically rapping about weed. You know, the culture was kind of taking over at the right. time. So, you know what I'm saying? It was like 311 and Limp Biscuit and all these things was coming out. You right, know what right. I'm saying? At the same time. So, so you know, I'm, I'm watching Ganja and them. So they was like, we, we want to do this. Because we all had weed names, obviously. Mean Green, Ganja K, Bombay, yeah. you know, Seaweed. You know, we, we, we all had weed names because so, we was all selling weed, you know right. what I'm saying? So, you know, now, you know, Ganja and them, they sat down, they got the dictionary, and they was like, what's the top? Like, literally, what's the top of the weed? Like, what's the a pinnacle of the, t you know, of the shit, the pinnacle, right? And that's what it was, chronic. That's what it means. It means the top. <laughs> okay. That's what chronic means. Right. That's when you got a cough or you got a chronic cough. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. the strongest. You feel what I'm saying? And that's where they got that shit from. That's when they start calling themselves the chronic. See? Because back then, that was the slang, too, for weed. You were smoking the chronic. Oh, yeah. That spread all over the world. People would just refer to Cause that. It didn't matter what, cause of, what cause strain of, it was. Because of Dr. Dre and them, like I say. Well, perhaps, but really because of if yeah. they were serving those guys, and then it was really because well, of ganja cake. But see, it was the vocalness of it. You feel me? See, right. again, see, I, I learned the power. You feel me? Again, like I tried to say about New York rappers, of uh, them having the power of going back and actually putting it on wax what they heard. Right. Right? See, these is battles that was unrecorded. You know what I'm saying? So now you got artists like my boy Volume 10, right? He wrote that song, Pistol Grip Pump, on my lap at all times, right? He basically got into a feud with Ice Cube, right? Because if you do the research, 
they was doing St. Ives commercials. Right. And you know what I'm saying? To the people that was about to come out, every one of them had a St. Ives commercial. So if you do the research, Volume 10 had his own St. Ives Really? Commercial. I've never heard See, that. I know. See, a lot of That's people wild. don't remember. A lot of people don't remember. Because you have the Cube, you have MCA, and, and, and so on and, and so forth. I'm just trying to show you the. I'm trying to show you the the, the yellow tape. Yeah, please. Yeah. Right. So, Volume Ten, he had a demo. At this time, it was demos. It was still cassette tapes. Right. We didn't went to CDs yet. Right. Cassette tapes and vinyl. Right. So the nigga Volume Ten had a he had a four a four song demo, right. Mm-hmm. And one of the songs on his demo was called My Firstborn because he just had had a little girl. So he made a song about his little girl. You feel mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And on that beat, it was the motherfucking Today Was a Good Day beat. And Ice Cube heard that song from him first. And he took that beat. And he wow. didn't even change the tempo. And he took that sample and he used it. And he got famous off that shit. He remade himself off of that dude. Yeah. And, he, and hold on. Let me show you behind. I'm trying to show you the yellow tape. See, he didn't put out volume 10. He put I mean, he, he put out Mac 10. <laughs> right, right. See what I'm saying? Right. So, and that's just to show you how deep it was. And I'm, the reason I'm telling you that story is not to exploit volume 10 or Ice Cube. I'm just trying to show you the power of people that could take people's shit and go right to wax with it. Right, right. Definitely. So, and that's happened many times in my career. Like I say, I, I know I'm jumping around, but I go back into Kitchen Sink Studios. It was 1992, and we was recording Soul on Ice, you know. And, you know, Biggie Smalls had came out with Party and Bullshit. Right. It made, it made, Raz, it made Raz go back into the motherfucking drawing board. You feel really? me? Yeah. Right? And then it was one more. It was it was OC times up. <laughs> yep. Uh oh, heads up. Now we dropping some shit. Right. It made Raz go back to the drawing board. <laughs> See, right. he would have dropped, but when those two songs dropped, it made him go back and get on the pen. Mm. So, you know, because at that point in time, when Biggie dropped party and bullshit. The labels got a hold of him in his raw talent form, and they made him change up, and he really got known off of the smooth, you feel what I'm saying? Uh, what, what was that? That first oh, juicy. That juicy, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, and then they refortified it with that. I love it when they call me Big Pop, but, you know, with, yeah. the, with the smooth, like, no, no more gangster shit, like, you know what I'm saying? So, everybody was trying to choose up and see which style was going to get them paid. Right, right, right. Right? MCs got styles. So right. they trying to figure uh-huh. out pay style, right? Which style is gonna get them paid? So at that point in time, my homies was like, "Oh, you know, we just we gonna be style rappers, you know," right. and because gangster rap was coming to the forefront in '92, gangster rap was rearing its ugly head. Right, right. '93, it, it was like damn near couldn't be fucked with. '94, it had its home, and style rap, it was you know the style rappers start having to say some street shit. Or mix in a little bit of street shit. Yeah. You feel me? You start seeing that in people's second records. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start getting funny. Mm. Start getting funny. I love some of your verses from that period of time, too. Breathe Deep, which never came out. You right. know this song? Right, yes. Um, where that's the one where it's like. That was my, one of my favorite I verses. I play Russian roulette 
uh, with the get cassette, the cassette, the the cassette get, deck. Or just getting my feet wet with don't sweat. When I hit it to be all net, my reps are known. Many heads get flown. I can't figure out why it took them so long for them to let me drop my vocals on top of a rap song. Right, rhyme strong so my pockets stay long. Not the counterfeit. My shit hit like a bomb. Yeah, that's. But but that that actually that so was no. that was from E equals MC squared. Oh, that that was from what's the scientific. Yes. That, uh, from that, that, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, he cool and Rhapmatics. Yeah, yeah, cool yeah. That that was the only song in history that got put out on wax. And and every time you talk to Rhapmatic, he'll let you know I got the only song with the whole Western Hemisphere on it. <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's only one that exists. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's the only one that exists. The song you're talking about is "Take a Deep Breath," and that was on Raz's album. And yeah, it got cut. Right. It got cut because when he when he broke up with the group. He got rid of everything that Voodoo produced on besides a few songs. Oh, and he got me off of the album as much as he could. Only that oh, uh, hook on Evil That Men do. Yeah, that was the only hook classic. that got left. Woo, so, and that, it, was an that record? it was an interlude. It was an interlude with me and Exhibit on it. It's crazy. It's at the end. It's like it's crazy. It? It's crazy. At the end of one of the songs, it's on, it's on, right? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy as fuck. But the Evil That Men do, yeah, because that course. Every nigga on my block. And the way with the drums they use that have the Compton's Most Wanted drums, whatever that sample is. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but incredible record but it would not be as incredible if it wasn't for your i think your contribution just brought it that the energy level up a certain place that's, that's that's what i was known for in the hemisphere right was the hooks the chants you know because I, I i would i didn't ha i didn't really have again my own rap style and I, and i'm i'm only talking from my own perspective from right. somebody else's perspective it'd be like you said you'll say oh you had a unique delivery right. me me personally i was trying to keep up that what, what was keeping me in line and keeping me sharp and fresh was the competition level that i had sure. so yeah. so the school that i came from and again the, the rappers that i was in the group with they kept me at a certain level so i was always trying to use a different word or come at it from a different perspective or use a style that they wasn't using right. at that time right right you right. know so i would be it was like oh he stood out on this track like <laughs> oh, i'm gonna give you what for to put my foot in the door treat the industry just like a whore let the homies get on the encore you know uh, what i'm saying like yes. you know what I mean? like I, I i i tried to stand out when they was coming with the type of bars that was literally making rappers shut up Oh yeah, those guys were next. It was just so my words. It was just the fact that I said, you know, I had I had an MC's head on my mantle. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, yeah. And I love the uh, I push a ballpoint pen like a uh, like a broom and a dustpan, yeah, so, or like a, like a whack MC's yeah. with a broom and a dustpan. Yeah, the words are right. That's the verse you're talking about right yeah, there. That's words are right plus mics equals Fahrenheit. I'm toxic. Wasted MCs for basing my topics. Don't sweat my mic checks like bomb threats. They pants is wet, but I didn't even bust yet. I'm a foul ball. Punk niggas can't catch it. In a straight jacket, I write my rhymes with hatchets. To niggas who, <laughs> to, <laughs> to niggas who bite raps, I hope your fucking lungs collapse. I'm on a vengeance, writing rhymes with syringes. A west side loke, strong as camel smoke, dope as heroin. MCs are perilin'. When I start double barreling, rhymes hit hard like a chalice. Plus my dome is my palace. A one man gang, I bite beats with fangs. Use wild slang, rhyme bang to brains hang from the songs I sang. <laughs> but, but so dope. I still remember that shit. It's crazy yeah. as fuck. But it was those times. It was those times and those beats that spawned those bars. You know what I'm saying? Because we was always trying to stay ahead of what was popping. Right. And since my friends was in the industry, I was already hearing a lot of what was getting turned down from from labels. And I was right. I was hearing what a lot what was coming to 
like like label mates and you know things like right, that right, so right. we were here the east coast side of palace or the east coast side of this or the down south side of that you know sure. so it would it kept me a little bit sharper than the average mc right another guy that was on that track too and i i know nothing about his history in music but i have I think he, I have two, almost two unreleased albums of him. It's Almighty, uh, Almighty Arrogant. Arrogant. Incredible man. rapper, too, but no idea whatever. I mean, I don't know if... To be, to, to be totally honest, me neither. That was Voodoo's boy, and that's why that song that they had with Raz, Voodoo, and Arrogant, you know what I'm saying? And Saphir, I believe, was on uh, that right, track as yeah. well, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't on that song, right, you right. know? Because they was they that was his folks, and he actually had paid them, you know what I'm saying, to to be on to that album. Right. So yeah, he paid for those verses, and they was real good friends. And I, that was a dope ass song, you know. Yes, what I'm saying? yeah, definitely. But, Another but, like talented dude just sort of yeah. disappeared somehow. But you know, everyone's got a story. Though. Everything was evolving. That's all I right. can say. You know, everybody was. It, the military is a factor. You know, religion is a factor. Sure. Having kids is a factor. Getting married is a factor. Getting killed and going to jail is a factor. So right. it was a lot of things. Going to college, it was a lot of things that we was fighting against as just people, not just as MCs. Because, you know, we was real young. We were 16, 17, 18 years old starting off, and you didn't have the responsibilities that you have now and the course, adversity right. that you have now. So, you know, you, didn't, you, you looking back, but you, you couldn't look forward. Right, you know right, what I'm saying. Right. So it was, it was more or less like I say, competition. We was all waking up, like trying to come harder. Like they dropped the picnic song, which was some shit. <laughs> which was some shit that it wasn't an average song to hear from the ghetto in South Central Los Angeles. Right. You feel me? Yeah. So they trying to categorize this sound mm -hmm. while the other homies is dropping pistol grip pump on my lap at all times. <laughs> right, right. You feel what I'm saying? It's like, it's like people didn't get it. Like everything was coming at the same time at different angles. Which makes it that much more amazing. You know, right. you have like AC and Ab doing like a song like Masquerade. Right. Which is just like a one of a kind kind of rap song. Right, know? right. And uh, during the same period of time. And just, Jack. I mean, all this shit, uh, yes. I mean, and the bloat at that time, too, that's why I think people, uh, um, they all like, uh, you know, really respect that era so much because it was so much creativity. It was so much creativity that got bit you feel me? Right. It was so much creativity, and I won't use that word because that word is harsh. You know what I'm saying? I right, would just, right. I would say, it was so much. It was so much that came from that period of time. They got used as scholarship, mm. right, for future rappers, for them to be able to say now that, oh, you're you sound like a '90s rapper, right? They carved away for that shit. Right, right. They made. I watched them. They made up backpack rap. Right, 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 right. You feel me? Like, that's what they start classifying that shit as. You know what I mean? And the East Coast rapper stole it. <laughs> right. Real shit. Like, real shit. Like, that. I, I seen it with my own eyes. And, and I chose, you know, in that period of time of me seeing all my homies, you know what I'm saying, make these choices on how they was going to come, right? Whether they want to be considered Daisy Age or whether they want to be considered New Age or they want to be considered New Wave or Punk Rock or, you know, Hip Hop or Rock and Roll, however they want to come at right. it, I chose being a weed rapper. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? I start rapping more about weed. If you listen to all my verses, every last single one of them has something to do with. And that verse that we was talking about on E, e equals MC Square, right. I said, I roll up weed in the track and blow out feedback. <laughs> right, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. So it was like I, I always had to put the weed out there because I was already knowing again about the culture. For me telling you off off tape, 
you know, I was telling you how my boy went to Humboldt State and played point guard, you know, and I was already going out there. That had nothing to do with my music. That right. had to do with my the set of balls that I was wearing at that time. Right, you right, know what right. I'm saying? So I was able to go 11 hours up, you know, without a stash spot and grab what I was grabbing and come back down 11 hours without a stash spot and then hustle in the neighborhood and then, you know, put myself in the position to where I was selling some of that weed to people that was already in Hollywood. Right, right, right. So, and you know what I'm saying, it's crazy as fuck. I throw a cannabis market, a cannabis farmer's market every Thursday, right, called the Turk Market now because I my music evolved, you know, when I, I was trying to get people to listen to the 18 albums that was unmixed. So, you know, <laughs> that I, I couldn't get get people to give me a good ear and hear my bars in between the drums and all the rest of this right, shit is getting right. hid behind, you know. I, I, was, I was getting angrier and angrier because nobody wasn't listening, so I was trying to figure out ways to, you know, get my shit out there. So I was doing shows, I was touring and this, but it just wasn't working for me, you know. I, w- I was doing good, but I could I could never break the barrier. Right. So, you know, I got to the point to where I was like, fuck it. I found my first venue, and I decided that I was going to throw a show. And I was like, shit, I'm going to throw a show, and, and motherfuckers going to have to listen to me now because, you know what I'm saying, it's me headlining, and I'm going to book the rappers that I want people to hear. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, man. I had a, a conversation with a good friend of mine, he was the, uh, the Cottonmouth King's grower. Okay. You know, King's Candyman. And uh, Candyman told me, basically in a two-hour conversation, he told me, he said, Mean Green, you don't want to throw a concert, you want to throw a cannabis cup, <laughs> right? Because he convinced me that I could throw the cannabis cup and had a weed competition and still throw the concert at the same time. Right, right, right. So I took heed and I did it. And ever since 2013, you feel what I'm saying, I've been throwing cannabis cups, which is called the Cali Cup. I've now evolved into a weekly that's called the Turk Market, but the Cali Cup, you know what I'm saying, was, you know, my, the, my first venture into throwing shows. So now I throw shows in the cannabis culture. I have my own products. I have my own pre-rolls, my own, oh. you know, edibles, my own, you know, this and that. So now I'm immersed. My own delivery service is, is starting to emerge and cool. things like that. So what's the farmer's market like? How, how, do, you, how do you discern, uh, how do you get um, different you know, farmers or growers Net- networking. You yeah. know, that's that's where, again, never never stop never stopping hustling has always been my motto, and not just talking has has been in my walk. So again, when I signed to Patchwork in '95, right. I moved to Atlanta. When I moved to Atlanta, I started sending myself, you know, what I'm saying to you stuff from here, and it would make it there, mm-hmm. and I would do what I was doing, and I was doing okay. Right, right. outside of a record deal. Sure. Because I only signed an independent deal. I only got $10,000 at that time, you know. So that that went to my rent. I didn't even understand that right. me paying rent for 12 months at six, $600 a pop, that, <laughs> that was a big portion of that 10 bands right there, let alone me paying for production, sure. the video, and, you know, all the rest of that shit, the, the, the tour and all the shit that I did, you know, at the time. I, I didn't understand. I was just an angry motherfucker, like, y'all, y'all fucking me. Like, you know what I'm saying? So right. I was just happy that I never stopped hustling. So me, me taking what I, what I knew on the road with me, you know, kept me alive and, and kept me uh, uh, 
to have to have enough uh, capital available to where I could put myself in the position now to where right. when the cannabis culture is, is came around to where right. now yes yeah, it's, it's, it's recreational and we got medical law still on the books that we able to capitalize fully of what we invested into these streets and what we invested into the actual plant. Right, right. So that's that's the actual fun part about it is to be able to help people and benefit from it yourself at the same time. Of course, time. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, in the strains, there's a good, there's a wide range of, 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 of stuff. There's some throwback. I'm, I love the throwback right. strains myself, I, just because they're kind of hard to find now. I love but, good weed. Throwbacks yeah. are definitely going to be hard to find. Like people, what, people, people like new. They like new. They sh- want new stuff. because well, yeah. it's going to sell. You yeah, know, like a, you can't. A, tra- a train wreck is not really going to sell next to a cookies. Right. Yeah, you know it's what I'm saying? Not fashionable anymore. You're going to have to find a person like you or me, like that was looking for that. Yeah. Like I want a, a nostalgia day. I need some Northern Lights. <laughs> you know, yeah, you got yeah. some Hindu Kush. <laughs> right. Right. You know, they're not gonna ask for that. Kids are not gonna walk. They're gonna be like, "I want some purple punch." Right, right, right. Wedding cake. Yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. What did green green crack evolved into something? Right? Was it? Do you remember? Do you remember green crack? Uh, green crack is right there. Is it? So that's yeah, still like that's still kind of bubbling a little. Some like, green crack is one of my favorite strains. So, you yeah. know, when it's when it's done right, right. You know, and that's that's most strains. That's another miscon- a misconception of weed is when people say, "Oh man, that's homegrown." God damn it, all the weed is grown in somebody's home. Right, Please right. stop playing this game. Like right. these are misconceptions of weed, right? So it's, it's like when when people when people say, you know, oh, I got some bomb kush, you know, it's only good kush and bad kush. It's only good cookies and right. bad cookies, right? It's good stress and bad stress. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? People like to play games. They try to say, they try to demonize the stress and be like, oh, no, I don't smoke stress. It's still good stress. And if, if, and if you came across the good stress at a time when you had some bad cookies, <laughs> right. you feel me? Yeah. That negative just might become that positive, baby. <laughs> so, yeah, was, yeah, and I, like I used that. to have a lot of creeps, like late, late night, you know what I'm saying? Creepers is what we used to, what we used to call okay. them. That we used to keep a sack, keep a sack of stress on deck because, you know what I'm saying? Because it'd be motherfuckers <laughs> that try to act like they was balling during the day, but late night, they'd be like, <laughs> you got a you got a nickel sack? Can't get a dime. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they want yeah. to smoke five, six, seven blunts. They didn't want to smoke one blunt. A, bl- a dime sack was only one blunt. A dub sack was only two blunts. Nowadays, a, a dub sack is fucking one goddamn blunt, or really a half a wow. blunt. Nowadays, wow. people are, people is rolling backwards and putting seven grams in a goddamn blunt. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's to, to to fill up a backwood, which I don't smoke them. Don't support them. I will hit them. But I don't support them. I smoke Swishers. You don't support the business itself or something? I don't know the, the support story. Supporting, see, I'm because I'm not trying to downplay anybody either, right? Supporting is spending money with a company. That's support. Yes. You know, if I, if I say, you know, fuck the devil, you know, and I don't put any fin- financial support support behind this statement, right. I'm, not, I'm not actually doing anything. Yeah. You know? It's just, yeah, yeah, just saying it. Yeah. So, so, and that's what it is, you know. So, that's what most people do, you know. They just say things and then they don't put support. So, I don't put financial support behind any company besides Swisher Suites. Dope. Okay, so, cool. Uh, Swisher Streets was the name of my rap group as well when I evolved later. So, so. So speaking of the new stuff, I know that you guys are you've been working on something. I don't know if if it's yes. if, if we can if we, if we maybe we can talk about it a little Please. bit before we kind of wrap it up. What so what exactly? What is it that 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 you guys been working on? Like for example, today, like you've been touching up some some stuff. Like, do you want to speak on that just a little? Tiny yeah, bit? T- today is yeah. basically like the um, 
the final session for this album uh, for vocals. Okay. And um, it's gonna be a seven to eight pieces, um, full mean green. Dope. With um, really really dope production. And what I did was um, I came along and added you know like string sections and horn incredible. sections and you know yeah I, I, I scored i scored the production that, that was in effect already and now we have like this new beautiful jewel sitting there mm. and today we're just um uh, gonna just finish with the overdubs and um friday um dj esp or esp infinity is gonna come and um, finish the cuts Dope. and and that's gonna be it. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm not even gonna mix it. I mean, you know, I've been playing around with my own mixes sure. just to listen to it for now. But I'm gonna um, directly hand it over to Disky. Oh, cool! Um, yes, Disky is mixing and mastering the whole thing, oh. and he loves it. So that means that it's. I mean, you know, he always gives us all, but like when he really loves something, it's. You know, I'm 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 almost like I can't wait to just hand it to him so I can get it back at some yeah, point, which right. which you know he, he's pretty quick too. So yeah, um, incredible. This would be like this would be the first release on my label, which is oh, called yeah, what's your label called? Afflatus Recording Boutique. Okay, cool. Um, it's it's a it's a label with more than a, a label. You know what I'm saying? It's like it, I, I'm I'm just focusing on um, giving people like um, the, pro- <laughs> the production you right. know what I'm saying a production approach the the you know the tender approach like the hands on with ideas and open yeah. you know that I'm, I'm on that so cool, cool. Um, the treatment that I did Mean Green's project is what's to come as far as like you know when Afflatus is involved with production right and then you know I'm gonna release all kind of interesting things it's not always on his beats yeah you know it's not always it's not always gonna be rapping whatever but this is this is something that I I truly wanted to do and the music is so dope it's like it's they're they're classic these pieces are classic hip hop pieces that once it comes out it'll make it's way into the fabric yeah, you know that's cool. my prediction of it, and like what I mean, what I was hearing, and what I knew I heard. That's why I went back to it and was like, "Where's that music at?" Right. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. And um, also, by the way, um, I got to do a lot of things on my bucket list. Yes. With production. Okay. I'm well on so, my way. Such as on Mean Green's yeah. album, you know, yeah. which, which is like you know, like a, like a string section. You know, I've, yeah. I've never um, been able to get that going you know or get like find somebody to play strings somebody that can they understands the beat that can sure. you know so i started um dealing with um hella cello and, um, <laughs> pete and um some other great musicians at the same time you know i just got blessed and my eyes are open and we put everything together and i got all these great musicians on all these great mean green songs and then Incredible. You know, uh, I did like some rough cuts and things like that to demo for the DJ. You yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? yeah, yeah. But I, it could could work out like it's gonna be like two DJs. <laughs> yeah, that's cool too. Yeah, yeah. That, that is cool. And I, well, I can't I, wait. I can't wait to hear. It. I can't wait to uh, you know uh, push it and tell people about it. Thank you. Know? you. I'm super excited about it. Um, like I said, this would be basically like the first release on Afflatus, and you know, Mean Green was. 
you know, you let me get this. You know That's what I'm saying? Man, I, I still I still feel young as an MC, right? It's it's, it's such a trip because for a few years now I've been concentrating on you know my kids. I've been concentrating on my 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 life, right. you know, just to transition. And I've always had equipment around, so I was always still able to be free and you know record whatever I wanted to. Right, you right. know, so that's what, how I was able to put out eighteen albums. I just never really stopped recording. Right. You know? Yeah. So a lot, a lot of it was on SoundCloud. A lot of it, you know, what I'm saying, was on Bandcamp. A lot of it, you know. So we've been oh, cool. tune core and shit like that throughout the years. We just keep putting shit out, you right, know. Right. But a lot of it, like I say, it was me in my garage or me, you know, what I'm saying, just in the studio. It wasn't me signed to a label. Yeah, but still know? creating. Yeah, yeah. Man, it, it's such a trip when people. When people when people when people hear your music, right, and then immediately when they hear it, they compare it to somebody that has spent a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> on their image and a hundred, you know, about a, another hundred thousand dollars on their production and their video. Right, right. So it's like it, that. That's the, a thing. Another thing that kills MCs because it's like, how, how can I win when everybody's looking at me? You you won't give me the production. You won't give me the same uh, uh, team. You uh, as, as far as hype, as far sure. as media and all these yeah, things, marketing, publicity. right, and then. But but then when I come out and I offer you what I have, then you say, "Oh, you know, you could have made it big if you would have did it like." Right, right. And it's such a it's, it's like a slap in the face, like you know what I'm saying. That's that's a, every MC I'm sure goes through this yeah. at some point in time because right. MCs are just jukeboxes. They say, "Okay, oh, you rap, bust one." You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like you you know it's like, but it, it is what it is. You, you you're supposed to be you know prepared for the moment in in which you never know which moment is the moment that you. That's gonna lead to your 15 minutes of fame, you know. Sure. Yeah. And right. in this town too, I mean, it's like there's such a interesting kind of uh, dichotomy between like the the Hollywood and the entertainment industry, right. and then like just real genuine artists that like they're they're inhabiting the same city, but there's this you know there's this kind of you know tension between the two, like the commerce and the um, and just the like true artists. I know? remember a, a particular story, right? Uh, we was at Cherokee Studios and the LA riots had just kicked off, right? Rick James was in the studio. He had just got paid money from uh, MC Hammer, Can't Touch This. You oh, know? Wow. And he had burnt that pregnant lady in, with the, with oh, the crack pipe. Now, he, was in, he was in the studio when that happened. We was, this was all happening. This is the funny part about this story is the common area, right? Of the studio. The common yeah. area of Cherokee Studios in 1992, right? Now, the Freestyle Fellowship is while we was up there. They was recording their first album, mm -hmm. right? Okay. <laughs> Actually, their second album. Right. Their first album on Island. Now, the inner city griots. Right. Yeah. Now, Fat Jack and DJ Slip was in the next studio for CMW, right? Wow. Yeah. Okay, I just told you Rick James was in the studio. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Kid Frost was in the studio. This is for La Rasa. Wow, right. Right? And uh, How I Could Just Kill a Man was in the, the next Cypress studio, Hill. Cypress Hill. So the common area of this studio at this time, <laughs> bro, used to be the most bombest weed sessions and bag sessions that <laughs> you have ever in your life. I'm trying <laughs> to tell you. I couldn't believe it. Like, real shit. <laughs> like, it's so, that, that, the times, like. Yeah, I can only imagine. Oh, man, it's so crazy. Like I said, it's, it's, it's hard to even put them into a story, you know.
without uh, losing all the content because it's so many when you you talk about one person then you remember those memories and you kind of go off into them you know but like I say the the fondness of of me and music and weed was definitely Ganja K Bombay was there too but he ended up passing a a little early you know and uh, Ganja was there for us after that which he really wasn't there because he lost a real big part of himself through Bombay, you right. know, and that really put a damper on their career, and it put a damper on their minds when Dr. Dre came out with that Chronic album, you know, and again, not no shots taken, yeah. I, we only talking about the facts of what happened. Yeah, you know? I, get, I get exactly what you're saying, But it put, a, it put a damper on them, you know, and then when, when Bombay died, it kind of put a damper on Ganja's choices on careers, you know, he... He was supposed to do this, and he was supposed to do that. They were signed uh-huh. to Wild West Records as, as well as the Knots at that time. Uh-huh. But when Bombay passed, you know what I'm saying, the deal had got nullified, uh-huh. and, you know, he turned down a deal. He got offered a deal, I remember, through the Freestyle Fellowship as well. They offered him to be a member of the fellowship. He did that song, Hot Potato, you know, but that uh-huh. wasn't the reason he did the song, Hot Potato. I'm just saying, I'm right, just right. showing you he was there, you know. But he turned that deal down because at that point in time, the the death was too fresh, and he just wasn't ready. You know what I'm saying to you to take that that on as jumping in another group. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. He he kind of at that at that point in time, that's he evolved into Ganja K, you know, and 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 became the solo rapper that we right. knew. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, incredible, and just the way that like you know it, it's played a. A role, a big role in your career, and, and in the nonce too. When when we record our podcast, we talked about him as well, and because you would produce stuff on that album as well. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Um, he was a factor. Like man, every they was behind the scenes of, of shit that was going on. But like I say, everything was happening. It's, if if you looked at everybody's career, you would see these people behind the right. scenes like right there like they was producing also for Coco and, and, right. and they was also producing like they, they was all right there yeah like, we, we were trying to be bold with it and, and make production tapes for everybody wanted or not <laughs> but it worked you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah. They, they was what was dope at the time like again sometimes when the, pe- the people is who choose who you are. You could say uh-huh. who you are all goddamn day. <laughs> but when they would play them beats, motherfuckers would know. And that's how they, they you know, a lot of a lot of MCs went over to that side. You right. know what I mean? Right, right. And again, actions speak louder than words. You see. You see who had dope beats. The Knots, Bird, uh, Jay Swift, you know Fat what I'm Jack. saying? Fat Jack. Oh man, Fat Jack. Good God. Yeah. Slept on like a motherfucker. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know. Massive. Yeah, yeah, massive. You know what I mean? It was a bunch of them. It, 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 I think, I think uh, right now, I think Fat Jack got some fire right now. Like, oh, like right now, in incredible. The world, in the world right now, it's probably gonna be some new Fat Jack coming somewhere because um, Juke was telling me her some dope. Oh, incredible! Dope, dope, dope I can't beats. wait to hear well, listen, fellas, man, I really appreciate your time. I mean, it's uh, it's genuinely an honor for me to talk to, to you, uh, Mean Green, because I've been a fan of yours for such a long time, and, and Sash for setting this up. I just serendipitously, uh, you know, came together in my short window of time, because I live in New York. I live in Brooklyn, so... I'm going to sing you some music. You know? 
I would love to. I want to support that record too when it comes out. I want to spread the word too because I know a lot of people that are are major fans of your work too. And it's just that there's not a there's not a lot to find out there. And smoking section and government issues are long since out right. of print. You have to kind of really dig around to you find. You have to because like literally it was two thousand copies pressed of the smoking section. And maybe, possibly, I don't even remember what soon be pressed. I don't know. We went through um, like disc makers or some shit right. like that. Just low rainbow. It was like you know, maybe, maybe twenty five hundred copies. Right, right. Maybe, or whatever package deal they had at that time. You know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? Yeah, but thankfully they exist and shit. You know, and and um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a dope story, and I think you definitely it's. Uh, um, hopefully, people that listen to this will will get a better picture of your involvement in the scene. It's yeah. a lot it's a lot more to come, you know. We we got a lot of history which we call hempstery, you know. Ha. So it's a lot of hempstery out there, ha, ha, you ha. know. And uh it's so. a lot it's a lot more to come, you know. Ganja K opened a, a can of worms with Harvest for the World and you know it led to me, you know, getting in my bag and I made over ten to t- ten to twelve weed albums a- away from him before we was able to rekindle, before I moved back to California. And, you know, I was in Atlanta for some odd years, you know, on the road, touring, doing this and that. And, uh, you know, when I came back to California and I, he finally saw my evolution, you know, me throwing the cannabis cups and right. me being involved in the industry and, you know, not just the music, you know, we start getting back on terms. He actually got on two of my newer projects, you know, so like I say, oh, I'll shoot you the songs. Yeah, so please. You, they just haven't been leaked, but amazing. Okay, I, I ended up losing my computer with the files. You know what I'm saying for these albums. So you know that's why when when Lance came along and he heard the songs, it was just me catching him up on a few of the things that I had been doing over the past ten years. You know, and I played some songs for him, and he just arranged it. He made a score out of them. Oh. So and that that that's basically where we are. I'm in the middle of uh, doing new music, but at this time I only have MP3s and you know unmixed two tracks of a lot of these damn songs right, that I right. fucking did. It's like it's shitty, but it's it's still good to, to have, you know. At of least, course. At least at least I found <clears throat> a lot of them. Yeah, that's what's up, man. Thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate both of y'all's time. Man, I appreciate it as well. Yeah. Man. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Cool. That was dope and incredible. I gotta say. Uh, thanks so much to Mean Green for his time. Thanks to Satch for his time and assistance in setting this up. Big up to CJ for the editing. Um, I'm going to get into a couple songs at the end of this. One is off of Ganja K's album, Harvest for the World, which you can find on Bandcamp. Um, I, w- I wanted to say this in the intro, too. Mean Green has a Bandcamp, too. So for, say, the smoking section or government issues, some of those uh, his first albums, as well as a handful of singles and mixtapes you can go to mean green m-e-e-n green one dot bandcamp um and also for for ganja k you can find harvest for the world on 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 his that's set up as well as a lot of other first brigade related stuff so support and cop that stuff so i'm going to play this song called step right up which mean green is featured on incredible that i mean uh, be so I'm so bummed that the album never came out. So while the one on Bandcamp is really, it's like a very close representation of the tape that circulates. It's not exactly the same, but it's an amazing record. Seek it out. The same way the original version of Soul on Ice, there are these like really timeless artifacts, you know? So, and then from in there, I'm, I'm going to, uh, uh, me and CJ are going to jump right into uh, Mean Green's part 
um, on the commercial version of Soul on Ice, um, the evil that men do. So I appreciate you guys so much. Support this dude wherever you see his work. He gave me one of his joysticks that I tried and it definitely uh, pushed my wig back. I will say that, you know. Um, I'm not necessarily a lightweight, but I'm not a heavyweight. You know what I mean? So, uh, but big up to him. It was a great experience and one of the funner times uh, recording a conversation. So thanks so much again for, for listening. Y'all spread the word, uh, pass this around like a big fat duchy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, okay. On to the next one. Peace, y'all. I'm out. <laughs> That toss you to a different orbit My insanity cause calamity When I flow, I leave a hoe In your face like a 33 And then I pile them into asylum But my styling was too much form So now they storing them for post-mortem I burn wax with my raps The new jacks who lack Get straight ransacked, maybe a pill cap Cause all them busters is gon' suffer But I'm my conductor Who really don't give a fuck about another I smother style cannibals I'm a wild animal mammal Who leave in shambles MCs that choose to gamble I need a psycho analysis to see what make me tick to kick the asses of punk bastards. Cause no G can match the skills unlatch after smoking fat, chronic sex, and downing yak. In fact, y'all better run. Here comes the bomb, exploding, going out like a Trojan when I'm unloading. Rapid gunfire, dumping full clips from my mind like a tech nine. So.